Romans chapter, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let's pray together. God, we, uh, we do pray for your love. The only true genuine love that we know in this world is a love that comes from you. Um, and God, we pray for that love to move in our hearts and in our lives. We have so many uh, false loves, even religious false loves that appear to be love but aren't really your love, aren't truly genuine love. And God, we ask you to knock down those idols. We ask you to remove those obstacles that keep us from living lives of genuine love in this world. And so as we look at uh, this message today, and uh, we ask you to move, God, that your word is the power. It's not my voice. I have no power up here today. I have nothing to offer anybody except that you would speak, that you would move, God, that you um, would transform lives and open hearts and minds to genuine love, God. Um, and so we pray for that, God, that you would speak, that you would move in powerful ways, God, as you spoke into, into this world, into existence, God. Speak life into people dead in their sin today. Speak life into hearts that are bitter and uh, speak life into homes that are broken, into uh, people's lives who are, are suffering with sickness or uh, whatever, uh, whatever might be keeping them uh, in the dark and, and speak light into their lives, God. So we ask you to move in this time and to speak through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so we... Um, in sharing uh, Romans chapter nine, I intended to, to preach on the rest of of Romans chapter Romans chapter twelve today, um, but kind of got stuck there. Right there, uh, I felt the Lord uh, speak to me about genuine love. One of the most genuine loves we know um, on this earth is the love of a mother who truly loves God and fills her heart with Jesus Christ. That's one of the most genuine loves that we can know that we can have is the love of someone, of a, of a mom who fills their heart uh, with Jesus Christ. Now, sadly, because we live in a, in a broken world, not everybody gets to have that genuine love of a, of a godly, prayerful mom who is, is just like Romans 9, who abhors evil and holds fast to what is good. Uh, but what an awesome love that is when you get to, uh, to know that love and to experience that love, but also to become that, to become a person that has a genuine love in your life that is from God. And so I wanted to look at some moms um, in the Bible and see uh, the genuine love. In Genesis 21, and I just encourage you to turn there. I'm just going to more talk about the story versus uh, reading it. Um, so... In Genesis 21, Hagar um, is sent away by Abraham and Sarah, and she has a young child. She has Abraham's son, and it's a kind of a, a twisted story, but you can read it. It just reminds us that even the, uh, you know, even Abraham, even the founding fathers of the faith did things that didn't please God, uh, failed and, and made mistakes. But Abraham uh, and Sarah, uh, you know, once, once Isaac is born, Sarah says, get that woman out of here and get her child out of here. And so Hagar has nowhere to go. 
She is literally cast out into the wilderness, wandering around with a baby to keep alive. And Abraham was nice enough to give her a little bit of water and food, but as soon as that water's gone, she knows there's only a matter of time before her child is dead. Before her child that she loves with all her heart passes away because it doesn't have enough water. And so just imagine that mom. Imagine the heart that she would have in, in the situation that she was in. Um, and, uh, you know, and she was in that situation due to no fault of her own. Um, it, it was uh, uh, just the way that the brokenness of that world, that's just where she was. And so knowing that her child is going to perish, she places him in the shade of a tree or a bush, and then she can't even watch. So she goes away a safe distance from him. Or, or a good distance from him, and because she can't bear to watch her son die, uh, and, and so you know, so she she sits down out of sight of her thirsty, dying child, and she lifts up her voice and she weeps. I can imagine hearing the weep, the the passion in her cry that she would have had, uh, the, how heavy her heart would have been to think about what was going on, and and. And it says, thankfully, that God hears her cry. God hears the cry of Hagar and he opens her eyes. And she sees a well of water. And, and, and so imagine that. Uh, it doesn't say that God miraculously put a well of water there. So she just didn't see it. Whether she didn't know it was there. She just didn't know how to find it. She didn't. But then all of a sudden it's there. She sees it. And, and, uh, and she's saved. And so God blesses this mother. And God blesses her child. Right? God blesses them because her heart, he responded to her heart that was so full of genuine love. God heard that. He responded. And what an awesome um, example that is. When Abraham and Sarah didn't care, about this lady when no one else cared about this woman and her child god cared and uh, and god responded to her cry another example of a of a mother's genuine love in the bible is found in exodus chapter 2 and i'll let you study that and read that but the story is that pharaoh the israelites were getting too powerful there were too many of them. They just kept multiplying. God kept blessing them. So he tried different tactics, but eventually he decided we've got to, we've got to eliminate this population. And so he, he issues a decree that all the male children uh, you know, were to be drowned in the Nile River. All the young infants and, uh, you know, were to be drowned in the Nile River. As soon as they were born, throw them in the river. Can you imagine? That's the, that's the brokenness of, of the world we live in. That's uh, the sinful nature, unrestrained by the power of the Holy Spirit, just kills children, throws them in the river. Uh, we still do it as a society today. And then the mother of Moses hides her newborn son. So think about her heart. This is a world she lives in. There are soldiers that will come to her house and throw her baby into a river. That's the world she lives in. So she hides him. She hides him. And, and then when she can hide him no more, uh, she crafts this you know, beautiful watertight basket and places the baby in a spot where she 
hopes and prays that it's likely he'll be discovered. And then so through that whole act, that whole heart of, of her keeping that child, imagine the stress she lived under as she had a little baby that she had to nurse and take care of and try to keep quiet all those months before it was just impossible. Uh, and so, uh, you know, all the stress she would have lived under, that's genuine love. And God uses that genuine love to rescue this child. And he grows up to be Moses to set this entire nation of Israel free from slavery. What an awesome example of, of genuine love we see in the story of Moses. And then another story of a mom you might not be as familiar with is found in the book of Samuel, chapter 21, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 21, um, in verses 8 through 14. I'm going to go ahead and read this one because you might not be as familiar with it. After her two sons were hanged, Rizpah expresses, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be reading the Bible, not the... <laughs> The book there. So 2 Samuel chapter 21. Verses 8 through 14. Now I'm with it. Okay. The king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, whom she bore to Samuel, um, Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the sons of Merab, the daughter of Saul, whom she bore to Adriel, the son of Barziah, uh, the Maholathite, and he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the mountain before the Lord, and the seven of them perished together. They were put to death in the first days of harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock. From the beginning of harvest until the rain fell, upon them from the heavens and she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day or the beasts of the field by night when david was told what rizpah the daughter of ai the concubine of saul had done david went and took the bones of saul and the bones of of her son, of his son jonathan and the men of jabesh gilead who had stolen from them from the public square of uh, bethshan where the philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines killed Saul of Gilboa, and he, and he brought up from there the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan, and they gathered the bones of those who were hanged, and they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin and Zela in the tomb of Kish his father, and, and, uh, and, and they did all that the king commanded, and after that God responded to the plea for the land. So that's somewhat of, of a complicated story, but so, but essentially her sons are hanged. Rizpah's two sons are hanged um, and, uh, by the enemy. And, uh, and so we see an expression of genuine love for her sons. That no matter what they had done or who they were, she, she guarded their dead bodies as they hung in the air. Imagine that. She spread out sackcloth, kind of a sackcloth tent um, in, in mourning and, and, and stayed there with those bodies as they hung in the air and she chased off anything, wild animals, birds, whatever tried to disturb their bodies. Day after day after day, she did that. That is genuine 
love. Until King David heard about what she was doing. And once he heard about what she had done, the genuine love that she had, he went and did something about it. He took and gave those bodies the burial that they deserved. So that might be a mother's love you haven't heard of, but that's the passion in the heart that is in a mother's love. And this mother's love moved the heart of a king, which moved the heart of God. Moved the heart of a king, which moved the heart of God. Another beautiful expression of genuine love or exchange of genuine love between a mother and her son is in the Gospel of John chapter 19. So turn there in your Bible, the Gospel of John chapter 19. So this is the story of the crucifixion. It says that um, when Jesus saw his mother, so he's hanging on the cross, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. So even as Jesus was dying on the cross, he remembers his mother. He takes care of his mother. But then also imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there by her son's side as he hung on the cross, beaten, bruised, bleeding, thirsty, dying for your sin and for my sin. What a picture of genuine love. Imagine her heart. As she watches Jesus die, as she watches Jesus be taken off that cruel cross and placed in a borrowed tomb. Imagine what her heart would have felt like. But also, imagine what it was like three days later when she learned that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Imagine that that heavenly embrace between Jesus and his mom when she, you know when when she died when she went to be with with Jesus in heaven imagine that embrace in heaven imagine how all heaven erupted in praise as Mary the mother of Jesus entered in Hagar couldn't even watch as her son was perishing but Mary was there every step of the way what an example of genuine love in 1 John 4, 9 through 11, it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and has sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So again, propitiation, the blood sacrifice. Jesus substituted himself. He became our sin. And he died on the cross in our place. That's genuine love. And so as I thought about genuine love, I thought about genuine love is, is not always pretty. I thought about my mom who passed away several years ago, but 
but I thought about her and my dad fighting <laughs> as a kid. Uh, you know, you hear those fights and you think, oh my goodness, they hate each other or, or whatever, right? You, you just don't understand what, what might be going on. Um, and, and so it's, it's not always pretty. Genuine love is not, it's not a, you know, what we think or what we see on, on the movies, a romantic type of everything's always okay, everybody's always nice, everybody's always smiling, nobody gets in a bad mood. Genuine love is, is not going to happen without conflict and struggle and hardship. In the, in the pre-marriage counseling uh, or curriculum, counseling curriculum we use, it's called Ready to Wed by Greg and Aaron Smalley. And there's a whole chapter that's titled, Fight Our Way to a Better Marriage. Uh, and so there's a quote from the 1700s that says, it's sometimes essential for a husband and wife to quarrel. They get to know each other. <laughs> they get to know each other better. So conflict in marriage is, is something that is, is going to happen. It's needed because genuine love is real. Genuine love is going to have, there's going to be differences. You're going to face problems and you have to figure out how to do it in a healthy way. In a way uh, that, that it, you know, brings blessing instead of division and cursing. And, uh, and so a healthy part of of any relationship is going to be that learning how to face differences in problems in a way that that is healthy. Uh, Max Lucado says conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. So I think that's a good way to look at it. We're going to have conflict as we strive for genuine love in our lives, in our families. Uh, but we we have to realize that combat doesn't have to happen, right? We can, we can resolve conflicts without shooting at each other and, and genuinely trying to destroy each other. Uh, Gary, Dr. Gary Smalley wrote, Conflict is inevitable in relationships. It rears its head in even the healthiest, most deeply intimate of marriages. It is how you handle conflict that will determine how it affects your relationship for better or for worse. The most important aspect is not how much you love each other or how committed you are to your relationship or the strength of your faith. Optimum relationships depend on how adeptly you handle conflict. Every instance of conflict represents two divergent paths. You can use it to either grow together or grow apart. So we can use it to either grow together or grow apart. Essentially, or especially in marriage, but in every relationship we have as Christians, we've got to strive for genuine love. And, it's going to, and genuine love is real, so it's going to be messy. It's going to be complicated, right? It's going to open our lives to hurt because it's real. Because it's genuine, because it's it's you know it's real, and that's the only love that's truly gonna be life changing. It's God's truly gonna use uh, to bring revival, to bring um, you know transformation into our lives. So I want to challenge you today: Are you pursuing some idea about love that isn't genuine, a false love that maybe you use to keep protected, to guard yourself, to keep people? Uh, at a distance? Or are you striving for a genuine love? Because the only source of genuine love is Jesus Christ.
we want to know true, genuine love, we will not know it unless we know Jesus Christ. He has a love that's not polluted by sin and by selfishness and by pride. And only the love of Jesus has conquered our greatest enemies, which are sin and death. So I want to challenge you today to, to, to consider the love in your life. And, uh, and we're going to close again today with those guiding principles that uh, Rick Warren wrote for Celebrate Recovery. We've kind of adapted them there. Uh, but first of all, you and I can't have genuine love uh, with uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be there. We can't live without genuine love if we keep doing the wrong thing over and over again and expecting somehow this time it's going to be different. Somehow this time it's going to work out. Uh, that's not ever going to happen with genuine love. Uh, we have to recognize something's wrong. The way I love people, maybe it's wrong. Maybe I'm not being genuine and, and real and I'm, uh, I'm hiding behind a mask or uh, whatever it might be. And so we have to see that something's wrong within us and we can't change it. We don't have the power over it. We can't fix ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. So we've got to reach to that place where we step out of denial, denying that we've got it, we figured it out, we're fine, leave me alone, to that place of like where Hagar was. God, I need you. I'm dying. I'm perishing. I need you, God. And then from there, we've got to believe that God exists. And we've got to believe that He loves us. And how do we know He loves us? He sent Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, and only Jesus can overcome and empower us so that we can break that cycle of sin in our life, that cycle of false love, that cycle of worldly love. How do we know what love is? John 3, 16, God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. What you believe about yourself is important. You believe that God loves you. You've got to believe that. You've got to see that even in your sin, even in your error, even in whatever else you've done, whatever darkness is in your life, God loves you. And you've got to believe that. And you've, that, that's the only way you're going to begin to take that step of faith, to trust in Jesus Christ, to let Him forgive you. And so then we've got to, we've got to confess We've got to give our lives completely to God, confess Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and believe that God raised Him from the dead. Not only does He love us, but He paid the price for us on the cross. He died for us, and He rose again, and He is alive. And we've got to believe that with all of our heart. We've got to truly trust in Him. Romans 10, uh, 9 through 10, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then we've got to continually examine ourselves. Confess your sins to God. Number one, admit it to yourself. I have sinned and fallen short. And then talk to God and confess it to him and then go to some another believer and tell them, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going through. Here's where I was and the sins that I was involved in. And 
I've confessed it to God. Talk, get someone in your life that you can share what God is doing in your life. Confess your sins to each other, James says in 5.16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We want to continually be there to where we're letting God show us where we need to change and transform. And then the next step we've got to continually take to stay on a path that keeps us Christ-centered and God-focused is we've got to willingly and humbly submit to every change God wants to make in our lives. Every one of them. And you've got to ask God to remove the old habits that are not pleasing to Him and replace them with Christ-like habits. So we've got to continually say, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You've got to believe in the genuine love of God, that he'll reveal those things and keep loving you no matter what you've done no matter what happens, and He will help you and empower you to overcome. So we've got to submit. I'm willing, God, to change whatever I need to change, do whatever I need to do to glorify Your name. And then we've got to ask God for help with all of our relationships. Uh, we've got to love God with all our heart, Jesus said, and with all our soul and with all our mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. But then directly related to that is love your neighbor as yourself. So those go together. And so we've always got to pray about those and seek forgiveness when our sin has hurt others, when um, we need to, to do things to rebuild broken relationships. We've always got to pray for help with that because Satan always wants to attack us in that area. And that's part of loving ourselves and loving our neighbor and loving God first is uh, striving for that. And then we've got to meet with God every day. Spend time reading God's word, spend time praying, reflecting. That's the only way you're going to make sure that God is first in your life. That's the only way you're, you've got to have a real relationship. Imagine uh, if you never spoke to your mom. You would say, I have a mom, but I've never spoken to her. I don't know her. I, don't, I know I have one, but I don't know her. And so that's where a lot of people that go to church are. I know there's a God. We don't talk. We, uh, you know, I might sing a few songs about him or something like that, but we don't talk. doesn't work. We've got to talk to God. We've got to have a real relationship with God. Mark 1.35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. If Jesus needed to do that, and when he was on the, in the world in a, in a body, we, you and I need to meet with the Lord and pray. And then we've got to develop the gifts that God has given us. We've got to continually be active in developing the gifts God has given us. They're going to change as our life changes. They're going to transform and, and, uh, and grow. And so we've got to be willing to, to go with God where he leads us and to do what God's calling us to do uh, for that day. Uh, but he's going to use our gifts for his glory. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I've given 
all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as God sends us out, He is with us. Uh, he wants to guide us and use us. Uh, so no matter where you are, discover those gifts. That's a big part of growing in Christ and overcoming sin and being um, transformed and renewed day by day in your relationship with God is discovering those gifts and using them for God's glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you to let love be genuine in our lives. We thank you for the genuine love that mothers have for their children. And we thank you. That's your love. That's you showing us what love is through moms. And, and we praise you for them today. And we praise you for that love today. And we ask you to let love be genuine in our home. God, in our church, in our hearts, in our community. God, we need that. We need a love that's real. And we pray for that, God. Help us to face conflicts in a way that draws us closer together instead of allowing the enemy to divide and conquer us. Help us to do that, God. Help marriages that are conflicting, that are struggling, that are having a hard time to, to do that, God. To have a, 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 that love, that genuine love that they don't allow the enemy to divide and conquer, but they draw closer together through times of conflict and hardship. We pray, God, for marriages in, in Walnut Springs and in our world today. We pray for the family today. We pray for those that are under attack. And we just ask for a genuine love, God, to move in their lives, to set them free, to be all that you're created, created them to be and have called them to be. And God, we just again celebrate the genuine love of, of godly mothers today. And we pray for every mom in the world. And we ask that you would give them strength, that you would fill their hearts with hope. And, uh, and God, that you would seek and save those who, who, who are lost and who don't know your love. Those who have lost their way, God, help those moms uh, to, to turn to you today and to begin to leave their, their families in the genuine love of Jesus Christ. And God, we just think about those of us who have moms that are in heaven. And we just praise you today that they're with you. We thank you, Jesus, that um, that they rest in you today, and so we celebrate that as well, that uh, though we miss them, they're in your arms, they're in your presence, they're having the uh, best Mother's Day ever, and so we thank you. And we praise you, God, for all that you do, for your genuine love for every one of us. And we ask as we close our service with this song that that love would be felt, that whoever needs to hear and uh, experience your love today would do that. God, that they would repent. <laughs> that whatever they're holding on to, they would see it's, it's no good. It's not life-giving and that they would turn to you and be saved. And so as we sing this closing song, God, help us to live in genuine love every day of our lives. Help us 
God, to be what you're calling us to be, to do what you're calling us to do. God, we need you. We need your healing. We need your help. And so move as we sing this song together and help those that need to turn to you, to turn to you and be saved, to believe in you. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Miss Lord.